looking into people's history and reminding them of the times when they felt strong, where they felt amazing, where they realized that they had incredible abilities and gifts that were not just associated with that job title. Welcome to another episode of the reInvent Health Podcast. I am Nikki Robertson, and in this episode of the show, I chat with Kirsten Garabini, who is one of the most magnetic people who's changed careers after many years in the corporate world and went on an adventure. Kirsten is an experienced and accredited leadership, life, and Enneagram coach who founded her practice on the power of transformative experiences, enabling her clients to find their calling and bring their gifts into the world. In this episode, Kirsten chats about what it takes to find your confidence when all else seems hopeless. I was born to two teachers. My, both my parents were teachers. And um, although my father left teaching when he was quite young, it really had an impact on how I saw the world for two reasons. One is that um, we value learning as a family. And I can't actually recall a time since I was at school um, that I haven't been on some course or another. After school, after university, carrying on with um, degrees, I, I always seem to be um, involved in some kind of learning experience. So that definitely impacted me. And I also uh, got involved in creating learning experiences, which I think was influenced by having two teachers in the family. So the idea of lifelong learning and um, taking people on learning journeys and creating growth experiences for me was something that came from my very early years, um, uh, uh, you know, in my family's values. My first um, job after I finished my, my um, undergraduate degree, I decided to start working and I applied for a job where the ad in the newspaper said author. And I thought, great, I'm going to get a job as an author. I'm going to write romantic stories. I'm going to do something fantastic. And I arrived at the job. It was in those days, it was the Trust Bank. And it turned out to be an author of computer-based training courses. And I found myself writing training on, um, for inquiry clerks, for tellers, for all kinds of people in the bank. And, um, and that was something that I didn't expect, but I learned a lot. And from that, I found myself moving um, out of that organization into a company that focused on instructional design. Um, we had instructional design clients. We were creating learning journeys and training for them. And then I found myself in human resources in a corporate. I worked in the FCMG um, um, industries and I ended up in forestry, um, which I was in for 14 years. Wow. Um, it, two, different, yeah, two different forestry companies, which I found absolutely fascinating. Um, it's a completely different industry to anything that I had worked in before. And I was in human resources, starting at a regional level, working with um, learning and development, with wellness, with talent, with recruitment, transformation. And then I ended up as the human capital executive um, for the York Timbers Group, where I stayed for 10 years. It was a wonderful experience. I was a board invitee. I got a lot of board exposure. I was reporting to the CEO and I had a very big um, range of responsibilities from all the industrial relations. 
um, transformation, talent management, learning and development, wellness, five clinics, two lodges, communication work, um, crisis communication work, um, media liaison, everything that you could think of under the sun. And then also I have operational skills. I like getting in the trenches. I like making things happen. So I was able to work in different teams in a way that extended beyond human resources in terms of actually helping operational processes work, helping people apply their skills and their talents um, in an operational situation, which was a lot of fun. So when you think HR, you think a lot of paperwork and perhaps a box of tissues. It wasn't that kind of role at all. It was really how do we help the organization to do its best um, using people's abilities and skills and making sure we have the right people with the right training, having the right conversations on the right days to make sure that the business could achieve what it needed to achieve. And I worked there for 10 years and um, I really had a good relationship with the CEO and I had a sense that um, I, I was learning a fortune. I was still doing other courses by that stage, I'd got involved in my master's in knowledge management and decision making, and I had done a whole lot of coaching qualifications, three different coaching qualifications, and um, I got a sense that um, I needed to do my own, something on my own. I remember walking into the CEO's office one day and saying to him, joking around with him and saying, what can I do to make your day great today and later that night I was lying in bed and I thought to myself you know what what if I asked myself that question what can I do to make my future and my day great yeah what can I do to make my dreams happen and I realized that it was time for me to do that I I believe that we walk um, a spiritual path that mm. we need to make sure that we stay aligned with um, in various, whatever various ways people choose to do that. And one thing and another happened. And the next minute I knew I had my own business. After 14 years in the industry, in forestry, I woke up one day in April, um, just over a year ago, and I was, I had my own business. And the amazing thing that happened was the day that I resigned, the very same day, I got a call from a company in Joburg who said to me, we're having staff problems. I know that you fix teams. I know that you make teams more efficient. I know that you turn low-performing teams that go over budget into teams that, you know, are high-performing teams that work under budget. Please, can you recommend someone or just have a conversation with us? So we're desperate. We've got a team that hasn't achieved anything close to their targets and our clients are really unhappy with us. And I said, wow, what an amazing coincidence, if you want to call it that, synchronicity. Yes. Yes. I said, I, ha I happen to be available. That was on the Thursday. On that Monday, I ended up starting um, on a retainer for that company, which uh, has still continued today. And I started working as the head of a, um, a design team, which had to produce, once again, um, learning experiences and qualifications and it wasn't only about creating amazing cutting-edge online learning experiences it was also about making sure that the team worked properly 
productivity was in place, that the team understood what the standards were, what was required, what were all the steps in the production process. To go from an idea um, that a client would give, um, a lot of work being done for the banks, they would say, you know, we want our relationship managers to achieve these kind of outcomes from a client brief to actually be having students who could log on and do a very interactive, deep learning experience where they would actually be, for example, um, high-performing relationship managers. So um, that, that role took me out of broader HR in a way and back into learning and, and um, learning experiences, but it was still a case of how do you engage with people in such a way that they bring their best selves, that they're happy, that they love their work, and that they become invested in what clients are looking for in terms of the outcome of the learning. Because companies send people on, as we used to call it, training, um, and nowadays more learning and development, because they're looking to have an impact on their own customers, on their culture, on the kind of uh, organization that they are creating um, and have envisaged, envisaged in their strategic plans. So it's much deeper than just, oh, I'm going on training. Like you always hear people saying, I'm going on training. It's about I'm participating in creating an organization that I believe in. That's really my kind of short, short version of that. Sure. So yeah, I think organizations have also transitioned from selling a product to creating a customer experience. So much has happened in the last, say, 10, 10 years even. Yes. how we interact with, with clients. Um, so naturally that would be, it starts with, with the people on the ground and there, if, if the organization is in line with that person's identity of who they are, um, there's more absolutely. synergies. So you, I mean, that, that is absolute synchronicity and synergy, as you said, um, it's nothing better than looking back and connecting the dots. If you, if you trust, um, like you say, the spiritual side, the greater good, it almost always works out when you hand over the control to the whatever it is that you believe in that is bigger than yourself. It almost always works out just perfectly. Absolutely. I, I am so on your page with that, Nikki. Um, and it's about handing over control in a responsible way and also allowing your own gifts and purposes to be born. So because I've got a lot of co different coaching qualifications and facilitation qualification, I did a Margot relationship um, practitioner training from um, actually being a young child, I was always interested in what is going on with people behind the surface. And I always had a sense that there's a deeper gift and purpose that wants to be born out of people. I remember at the dinner table with my father, looking at him as a child and seeing that he was very angry and that he was unhappy and that he was in a bad mood and he was eating his dinner. And I looked at him remember this so clearly and I remember thinking, you know, dad, I didn't say a word. I just thought it to myself. I thought, you know, dad, you eating your dinner, but you're not the person that's eating that dinner. You're not the taste. You're not the experience of the food. You're not the angry person. You're not the, you're not the person who's complaining about your boss. 
there's something else going on in you that I felt wanted to come out, that wanted to be born, which for me, not having the language to explain it as a nine-year-old girl and not having a way of um, expressing it until I was much older, realizing that people have these beautiful gifts and purposes. And my dad was a great writer. He wrote stories about his experiences in the bushveld. And I think that he put that aside as something frivolous and silly and went and worked in corporates also. Um, And he had beautiful stories to tell. And in my coaching and in the work that I do with people in the coaching space, Um, and the hypnotherapy work that I do, which is um, hypno-coaching, I find that there's always some beautiful good work that people have to bring in the world. And sometimes they don't believe it in themselves enough to, um, to try it or to do it, or they just locked into the cycle of paying bills and don't have an imagination for how they could still bring that beautiful good work into the world and pay their bills. They don't have to give up their jobs and be irresponsible. And um, I found my work moving more and more towards encouraging people and coming alongside them to support them in exploring what those deepest gifts and purposes are. And part of it is being willing to give into that expansive space of love and beauty and truth that comes when we surrender to our spiritual values, when we are willing to give in to that space and to sow into that space and the deeper truth that lives within us that wants to be born. Because I firmly believe that we all have that. And part of that surrendering control that you just mentioned has to do with that getting in touch with that expansive place in ourselves that wants to reach out and give into other people's lives. Unfortunately, so many people, I mean, this is not something we're taught at school. We're not taught to figure out what our gifts and our passions are when we're really young. It's not something that, I don't know, the education system or even the the tertiary education system puts any kind of um, importance on. And I think actually fundamental to making a real difference in the world is to realize who you are. You're not just the son or daughter of X, Y, Z who got those marks at school, who's studying that degree, who's going to go and work for such and such company. But if we start figuring out where our passions are, imagine the amount that we could put into the world whether it's corporate, whether it's our, you know, it, it's limitless. And it's, I find mm. it a little bit co- like mind blowing that nobody really thinks about this until there's a crisis or until the mm. sales team isn't selling or until mm. there's a problem. What are your thoughts mm. around that? You're quite right. Often it takes a radical crisis for people to align with what they're passionate about. And often, being passionate in itself is misunderstood. So what I found is that people think when you say, what are you passionate about? They imagine themselves as a movie star in some kind of space, or they imagine themselves, you know, larger than life. What do I believe in? How am I going to be like Oprah um, kind of energy? Whereas, Whereas the kind of passion that really makes a difference is the passion that comes from 
uh, belief in a deep truth that flows through you. And I, I always think of um, the I am the branches and you are the vine. I, that deeper truth, being passionate about something that isn't about um, my glorification of my ego, yes. but actually that I'm here for other people. Because I haven't met a single person and I've, I've got more than two and a half thousand hours of coaching. And I haven't met a single one of the people that I've coached, either for normal professional business coaching, life coaching, or the hypno coaching that I do. Not one of them gets in touch with their passions and it's for them. It's always got to do with what they have to give to the world, to give to other people, to give into their families, maybe their marriages, their children, whoever, their communities. Those passions are distinctly different. The giving passion um, from the taking passion. The taking passion yes. has got to do with, you know, put me on a pedestal, think that I'm amazing, see that I'm something that you should aspire to instead of how am I taking a deeper truth that lives within me and making it real in your life and giving into the space in your life where I am able to fulfill something beautiful together. And yes, it, takes, it often takes a crisis to, to take people there. And, um, you know, our whole society is geared to, uh, you know, ramping up on the individuality. and This is my social presence. And this is who I am. And this is what I stand for. And sometimes people have a crisis where they realize they can have all that and they still face a sense of meaninglessness. They don't feel a sense of belonging. They feel a fakeness. They feel an emptiness and they're looking for more. And they're looking for that seed in them that's asking for those deeper truths. And how do we nurture and feed and water that seed? And out of that comes a very different kind of passion. Mm. You know, I can't help but think um, that what we've all been through as a collective this year, well, the world over with the COVID crisis, that it has in so many people ignited um, the need to question uh, what you've been doing mm. with your life. Um, where do I want to go? Am I making a difference? Uh, do I want to get up every morning and carry on like this? So in many ways, mm. we can see this. It's, it's, been a, it's been a disaster on many levels, of course, but it's also been, there's a gift in everything. So if you are faced with people nowadays who are in a position where they've been retrenched because their companies have folded or they have lost mm. their businesses, where do they start? How do you get out of the trenches and go, here's not a disaster. What kind of, how can I turn this into an opportunity, but from a different perspective? Yes. And you know, it's very easy to say when you're standing on the outside of it, to look at other people's problems as opportunities for them. I think the first step is really in coming alongside the person and getting a sense of what they've been through, what their hopes, what their aspirations are, um, the grief that they've had to suffer in letting go of the identity that's accompanied that former self. When you're dealing with someone who's had a job title and they've molded their personality around that job title and now they have to face a future with no job title, they ask very hard questions about who they are now. So the first step is really about looking, for it, looking into people's history and reminding them 
of the times when they felt strong, where they felt amazing, where they realized that they had incredible abilities and gifts that were not just associated with that job title. So we all have beautiful histories, but we forget them when we're in crisis. We look back and we think we see just a mess. So the first part would be remember a time when you felt independent, powerful, um, competent. Remember a time. Okay, let's talk about that time. How did it feel? Let's find other times. Let's really build on that history where you were amazing and you felt amazing. And let's get back into that sense of who you were. And those times had nothing to do with the job title that you've left behind. Now, being in that feeling of a time when you were amazing, supported by many other times when you felt the way that you wanted to feel, let's look forward as to how can we recreate that for you using the skills and abilities you have? And how can we we, uh, lean on your circle of influence? How can we find people around you that that will support you in maintaining this narrative of a person who is competent and able to go forward in the world? And that your job title was just a moment in time around a certain role. But behind that are all the gifts and abilities and experience, skills and talents that allowed you to arrive there in the first place. So step one would be to reconnect people with the positive things in their background that can propel them forward and then to help them practically build the road forward. Because unfortunately, it happens, the same thing happens with women when they get divorced. They label themselves divorced, unwanted, failed relationship, you know, I have failed. And for some reason, women do this more than men. I am unemployed. I am unemployable. I am, I am uh, kind of being thrown away on the litter heap of society. And, and that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you, you live into that and you act like that and you behave like that. And your energy matches that. Instead of saying, you know, Do you remember a time when you were 10 years old and you got a certificate for winning a race, an athletics race? How did you feel? And when did you feel that again? And when did you feel that another time? And how was that for you? And aren't you still that same person? And how can we carve a new story going forward that has a rich and deep history right back into times when you were perhaps a little one? And how can we take that forward knowing that you are more that than you are just a person that's unemployed. So kind of reorienting people to their strengths and then practically giving them um, a road forward. So a lot of it is a project plan. So how are we going to get you a great CV? How are we going to approach people that you know that might be able to help you? Mm -hmm. Because so often um, new employment comes from who you know. Um, how are we going to get you out there? What does your LinkedIn profile look like? What kind of things are you saying about yourself when you get up in the morning that are translating into an energy when you get into interviews? All of that stuff. So it's really a holistic thing. And also um, not trying to get them to fake it. Oh, I've got to tell myself this is an opportunity. I don't feel like it's an opportunity. I'm overwhelmed with the panic of the fact that I've got David's orders going off on the 25th. How can I see this as an opportunity? You know, so 
you've got to be very sure. realistic with the with the world that people are living in and empower them. I don't really like the word empower because it sounds like one person's got more power than the other. It's more about reigniting them with the power that got them to where they were in the first place. So, I mean, you are a, a, a therapist on one hand, the Imago is a therapy, but you're also a coach on the other hand. For, for people listening, what is the difference, in your opinion, between a coach and a therapist? I think um, for, for my side, I, I don't call myself a therapist. I, I just say that I'm um, a coach. My qualifications are primarily in coaching. Even the hypnotherapy that I do, I call it hypno-coaching. So a coach is someone who will look at very specific goals that you have and work with you around those goals for a limited number of sessions. My hypno-coaching, which is imagination, visualization, goal setting, becoming aware of behaviors, a little bit of hypnosis, discernment, um, that you can have two sessions and, you know, two or three sessions and be done. Normal coaching, the other coaching that I do, the Enneagram coaching, business coaching, six sessions, done, focused, real yeah. deep change. Therapy um, often goes on for longer and um, it has you have a lasting long-term relationship with the therapist. It might go on for one year. It might go on for 10 years. And um, there's a lot of talking about the past, about your childhood and so on. Coaching tends to focus less on that. It's more about the present and the future. And coaches aren't really trained to dive into deep trauma and to resolve deep, deep trauma. Um, often we will refer someone to a clinical practitioner with um, you know, maybe a psychiatrist, maybe a psychologist, if we feel that somebody's come with deep trauma that needs to be resolved, that you can't possibly pretend to try and deal with in six sessions. So, or you know, three sessions or something like that. So I think what's important is for coaches to know their limitations and to refer people to, um, to other modalities where that is going to be in the best interests of the client. Yeah. And, and sometimes people will get hold of a coach because they just feel desperate um, and they need help. You know, I've had this, we, um, I'm on the board of a NPO that's based in Alex and we ran, a, uh, I got a group of 20 coaches together and we ran a program for um, youth in Alex over lockdown who were feeling desperate and that all doors had closed. They weren't able to go to varsity, some of them, they were sitting at home, they were really feeling desperate. We decided to run a coaching program just to keep people their spirits up and focused on the fact that there are still opportunities. Yeah. And of those 20 people, three of the women that came in for coaching really had very traumatic experiences um, as young teens, um, one as a child. And uh, the coaches that were involved referred those um, three women to uh, one to a, went to a psychiatrist and the other two went to um, psychologists. And they would have had to have a much longer term program in terms of dealing with those issues. So I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of the time in coaching you pick up where this need is that otherwise you would never have known the person coming to you would never have thought that they actually have a, an issue that needs to be professionally dealt with. But I think a good coach can certainly, you know, pick that up and if we work as a team, 
I think that's what yes. I'm trying to get to. We can work in the best yes. interest of everybody. It's really, really valuable. Yeah. Also, you know, Nikki, the other thing that happens is people come for coaching and they say they, you know, they might be feeling X, Y, and Z and they want assistance, but then you discover they're not exercising, they're eating very poorly, they're damaging sure. themselves through their diet, through their mm-hmm. lifestyle. And then, you know, in that situation, you also want to be holistic and refer them to somebody like yourself and say, you know, you need a wellness um, intervention and coaches can't pretend to offer solutions on all fronts. Sure. You know, we trained in specific modalities. There's so many different kinds of coaching and um, the partnership and the holistic approach is very, very important. I agree with you. So let's go a little bit into hypno coaching, which many people put, you know, think it's entertainment, hypnosis, those shows that they see on stage. It's nothing like that at all. And let's, let's chat about how hypno coaching works and what hypnosis really is. Yes. So it is, that's true. There are a lot of misconceptions about um, hypnosis as a result of stage shows. And people think, oh, I'm going to lose control of my mind. You know, bad spirits are going to come into my mind while I'm hypnotized. I'm going to bark like a dog. I'm not going to be able to, um, you know, have any control. Um, They feel as though they're getting exposed to all kinds of things. The interesting thing is that um, in hypno-coaching or hypnotherapy, there is absolutely no loss of control control of your mind it's a very very deep state of relaxation and um, sometimes people experience it when you just wake up in the morning and you're still waking up but you're very very alert and people may have had the experience where they go to sleep at night with a problem and they wake up in the morning and they, they think of the answer and in fact there's a lot of mental clarity and alertness and if somebody during a um, hypno uh, coaching state or process or even hypnotherapy process um, was told to do something against their values or something was introduced into the session that they were uncomfortable with, they would come out of that relaxed state. So uh, if somebody, for example, told you to do something, you know, uh, kick your dog, get up and kick your dog you would immediately come out of that state because you love your dog and that would go against your value system and it would shake you out of that very relaxed state. And in training, the um, hypnotherapists and coaches are taught, you know, don't do things that will bring people out of that very vigilant, hypervigilant state of deep relaxation. And um, so those misconceptions I find with every session, every time I have a session with a client, I spend sometimes 20 minutes um, just on misconceptions. The other day I had somebody who came to see me and he, he felt, he thought that when he was under hypnosis, he would be able to answer all the questions about his life and he could go and ask himself um, as if he was going into a temple of himself what he um, should do with his life, and he was gonna he was gonna go to this kind of oracle of truth within and say, okay, 
what should I do with my life now? What is my calling? What am I going to do? And I had to explain to him that it doesn't work like that. It's, it's not like you're going to some kind of oracle and getting a tape recording about how you should carry on with your life. Um, when we are relaxed and when we deal with our stress positively, we do get different answers. And, you know, through prayer, we do have answers that become available to us um, for people that are in relationship with the Holy Spirit, they will understand that they feel that they will have a relationship around getting answers. But hypno-coaching is not a place where you go and you just get a telegraph from your inner self about what you're going to um, do next. Yeah, I think it's important to discern the difference between the Hollywood version of hypnosis with what it really does. Because, you know, when the brain is relaxed, <clears throat> we're not feeling traumatized, we can be more creative. And I think that's fundamentally what we're aiming for with, with any of these therapies is to enable a person to solve their own problems, own their own lives and do so from a place where they are not in fear. You know, exactly. Yeah. You've got it absolutely straight up. That's exactly right. And um, we do have thought patterns that we need to renew. Um, we do need to be um, transformed by the renewal of our minds. And hypno-coaching is a very effective way of renewing our minds in a positive, healthy way and in a way that allows us to run our worlds more effectively and more consciously and to ditch our baggage. But there's nothing magical gypsies in a caravan with a crystal ball. It's not at all like that. Sure. It's mostly, it mostly works with relaxation and visualization. And let's imagine and let's pretend and let's relax. And let's see what happens when you're very relaxed and we imagine and pretend together. Um, and that's more what it's about. So it's, it's I, I, I can explain it as very relaxed coaching process where the person enters that state of relaxation and uh, we call it a hypnotic state, we call it trance, but um, the, the imaginings that people have about, you know, this dark place in the mind and also people worry, but what if I reveal things that I've wanted to keep secret? It doesn't happen because you're not gone. You're still there. You're 100% there. Yeah. Um, I was with a client the other day who remembered her grandfather. She, had, um, she, was, she was thinking uh, through a process with me. She was going through a, a session with me. And she remembered her grandfather holding her hand, smiling at her buying her an ice cream, encouraging her, um, and saying to her um, that she should not uh, get involved with men who she didn't feel safe with, which sounds like a very basic thing. But for this client, it was a beautiful experience imagining her grandfather. Afterwards, after the session, I said to her, so what was it like to imagine your grandfather? And she said, oh, my word, I haven't thought about him for so long. It was so lovely imagining him remembering that day he bought me the ice cream. And we had a conversation about it. It wasn't like she couldn't remember. We had a full, full, absolute discussion about, you know, why she imagined him and how beautiful it was and how supported she felt by him. 
Yeah, you know, I, I t- completely agree. When we're in a state of relaxation, it's amazing what comes to mind. I suppose you could say it's similar to a dream state uh, where yes. you go into a different wavelength in the brain. I had a very interesting discussion the other day with somebody about heart rate variability. And to get yourself into what they call entrainment, which is to get into a place where your heart rate variability is, is, is good, it, it does require deep relaxation. And mm. the science is finding that when we are entrained, healing can happen both on a mental level and very much on a physical level, because mm. that deep sense of relaxation will um, almost drown out the inflammatory cytokines that are produced from major trauma and stress. So just having those experiences a couple of times a week or you know, once a week where you can, with the help of somebody who's trained to do this, to go into that deep, deep state of relaxation triggers healing on so many levels. I think it's amazing. Absolutely. You are spot on. Absolutely. It's incredibly restorative. And I've read some research where they said this deep relaxation that comes through hypno-coaching, for example, one hour of that is equivalent to four hours of sleep. And I hear that from people. They say, you know, I, I, I feel like I've rested for a week. I feel as I've been on holiday for a week. But they've literally had an hour of deep relaxation. It's incredibly restorative. And it allows mental clarity and focus that wasn't there before. Because when you're eroded by stress and also the negative things that we say to ourselves the whole time, you can't, you won't, you're not going to get this right, that's not going to work out, you can't do this, you'll never make it. All those things that we tell ourselves through our days, you're not going to be on time, you can't afford it, all these things that we tell ourselves all the time, which are actually eroding, um, get erased when you start to think, I'm relaxed, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm the same person that won that race, that learned that, that made a difficult decision, um, that had the courage to stand up for my beliefs, that did a brilliant project, I'm that person. And connecting with that, um, not to build ego, but to build a sense of aliveness that can take you forward instead of adding to what the world wants to do, break us down, hold us back, question our individuality, want us to buy more stuff so that we can appear as if we X, Y, and Z, whereas we have this incredible richness within that wants to come out. Mm, And that's absolutely magnificent. What a lovely analogy. So Kirsten, where can people find you? I'm sure this this discussion is going to, it's going to light a fire under so many people who are looking for a different way of living. How do we get hold of you um, and get the process going? Thank you. Thank you. I would love people to get hold of me. I am I love watching people's faces change and them embracing what uh, they love and what they feel they're called to do and bring into the world. So I'd love people to get hold of me. Um, I am available on my mobile, which is 066-246-4779. I'll just give that again, 66 246 4779 also on my web website, um, my consulting, my human resources consulting business is called Deneo Pact. 
Deneo um, is a Zulu word which means gift and pact means agreement. So uh, one night I had a dream about what I should call my business and it was the gift of agreement. So that's why okay. I called it Deneo Pact, D-I-N-E-O. And I have seen, I, I can't call them anything less than miracles happen when people agree. Yes. Um, and it's a biblical principle. So that is what I called the business. It's the gift of agreement. And that's my HR consultancy. I also have all my coaching um, and hypno coaching under that banner. And it's deneopack.co.za. And I, um, I have a booking system which I run through my WhatsApp where I send people um, access to my calendar and they can find a space. And then I also see my corporate clients. I have um, a range of corporate clients, banks, uh, university, um, agricultural businesses and so on that I assist with aligning teams and igniting teams um, around how they commit to their deliverables in the organization. So I do a lot of different things, but the thread that runs through them all is that people feel that they are working with bringing their best work into the world. I love that. It's so encouraging and it's exactly what we're needing right now as a planet is to, to bring our best um, for the greater good. So thank you so much for your time. It's, it's such a blessing to, to chat to you and hear your take on, on the world in such a different way. Thank you for inviting me, Nikki, and thank you for the amazing work that you do. And I so appreciate the opportunity to have been here. Thank you for joining me again for another great conversation. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcast. And if you have any questions for further topics, please feel free to email me at podcast at reinventhealth.co.za or leave a voice message on our Anchor FM page. This episode was sponsored by The Nutrition Prescription by Reinvent Health. The one thing we all have a degree of control over is how we manage our health through the choices we make. Believe it or not, healthy nutrition is more simple than we've been led to believe when you know what to do. If you're going to get away with anything positive out of 2020, let it be your wake-up call to make a change. Use this time in the best way possible. Give your body what it truly needs in order to thrive. No matter your age, income level or health state, you can learn new habits that will help you feel stronger, more energized and motivated to live better. The Nutrition Prescription is an online learning program designed for anyone wanting to learn the basics of healthy nutrition and customize the knowledge into a way of life that does not involve restrictive dieting. Once you've signed on, you will receive access to hours of videos, meal plans, recipes, articles, and regular webinars that will keep you up to date with the most current thinking around health and nutrition. To sign up or find out more, go to reinventhealth.co.za and click on online learning.